Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is made for fans by fans, where the content is absolutely free. And it's not just the podcast, it's free, guys. We have the website, we have written content, we've got the forums, all that is free, all done uh, by Rangers supporters, lots of us are match-going fans, uh, and we just do it for the love of the pop. Seventy-nine of the the, the podcast. Uh, we're live tonight. We're live on the YouTube, uh, but you can download or stream the pod tomorrow on a variety of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and Spotify. If it's your first time listening to the pod, welcome. We would we would ask you to subscribe. We're over two thousand subscribers now, so the numbers are increasing. Uh, and we'd ask you to share it in social media as well, and leave comments and, and let people know that we're out there. Uh, quite a busy show tonight. We've got lots to get through. It's been one of those weeks. There's been lots happening around Rangers. There's been a couple of games, obviously, and there's been a lot of stuff happening off the field uh, that we'll try and go through as well. We were going to have two guests tonight. Uh, we were going to have the gaffer, Stuart, and uh, Ross. But Ross, is, uh, he's failed a late fitness test. He's in some dodgy hotel in the city centre and can't get a Wi-Fi stream, so he has had to pull out. But we've still got the gaffer, Stuart. How are you, Stuart? I'm very well, thanks, mate. I've not been blown away in, in this, uh, this this wind in the last few days. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there was a storm last week as well. It's two weeks in a row. I've been ah, sitting here and it's been blowing a gale outside. No, the, the, the weather's absolutely hopeless, mate. It's uh, really, really bad. But uh, fingers crossed um, it, it improves along with our performances as, uh, as the, this month goes on. Uh, we're yet the game today because I, I, I would imagine, I mean, I was one of them, there was a lot of fans who couldn't make today because of the, the issues yesterday. I was I was attending the game yesterday, but because of the cancellation and because of rescheduling it for today, I had other things in for today and parent duties and all the rest of it, so couldn't make today. Were you there today? Unfortunately, no. I, I was the same as you, mate. It's, uh, it was... It's bad enough or difficult enough to get the wife to agree to, to for me to go to most uh, home games without uh, turning around and saying, "By the way, I'm going back through to Glasgow uh, within 24 hours." So no, she wasn't having any. Of it, so um, I had stuff to do with the with the uh, girls and stuff. So it was a case of uh, watching it on Rangers TV today for me. Yeah, I was the same. I should give a, a big shout to uh, Keith who sits behind us. He he took my boy through the day, so so my boy managed to get through. But Keith was the same. He was he was there yesterday. Yeah, I think I think he had a few a few. He, he made use of the, the spare time. Let's put it that way. I think he went to the pub and had a few pints. So he was saying that his missus wasn't happy when he informed her this morning that he was he was coming back through. So a big shout to Keith who sits in the governing room. Uh, so Stuart, I think we go through the Livingston game today. A wee look at Kelly. Obviously, a lot of stuff through the week with uh, the, the, the Alfredo Morelos, uh, the statement made by the club that there was obviously the. There's also been an incident involving Jim Jim Trainer. He was assaulted in Cumbernauld. And I also thought we'd have a wee look at the the Braga game. There's lots to talk about there, including the introduction of VAR. It makes its debut in Scottish football this week. Uh, and I should give a wee shout out to the Colts today, Rangers Colts. They were up at Inverness. They, they, they narrowly lost out 2-1. Uh, and the, the, I mean, the, the boys played really, really well today. I thought I saw the, I managed to see the second half. A wee bit unlucky, just maybe a wee bit naive. Inverness Cali were down to 10 men, but we just lacked that wee bit of experience, I think. But they've done well, so a big shout out to Graham Murray and all the boys for, for everything they've done there. Uh, so, Stuart's into the Livingston game today. As I said, I wasn't there. I, I, I had my daughter to, to take care of today. Uh, game was delayed for 24 hours, therefore I couldn't make it, and a few others couldn't make it. A lot of comment on social media about the reasons behind it, you know, the, the pitch was flooded and all that kind of thing, and people saying, how can it happen at a pitch like at, at Ibrox? I personally feel that, you know, if it rains enough, any pitch is, is going to get sodden. And my understanding is that Rangers is, is a pitch that struggles to drain because of its proximity to Clyde, and I'm sure I read somewhere before that it's below sea level and that causes issues. So in terms of, one, the, the, the postponement itself, and two, the, the rearrangement, how did, how did you how did you feel about that? 
Well, we just um, arrived at Ibrox yesterday afternoon and, and, and found out that yourself and one or two others had texted me to, to say that the, the game was off. So I was I was kind of surprised, I must admit. I mean, the, the rain the rain was um, was forecast, the storm was forecast. Um, I mean, it was it was really bad, to be fair. I mean, we got there about half past 12, just at the pitch inspection, and it was absolutely pouring down. By the time we walked for the car, we would park on Ed Edmiston Drive on by Helen Street and, and along to the Neptune, where we, we go for our... Uh, our pre-match drinks. It was uh, we were all soaking, and uh, but I, I must admit I didn't realise the game was was un, under threat at that point. It wasn't until we got into the Neptune that uh, a few folks said, "Oh, Christ, the game's off." And I thought, well, it was uh, a bit of a surprise. And and as I say, this 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 storm was well forecast. So um, I, I think Rangers really should have had an earlier inspection. I mean, it was a bit of an inconvenience for me. I, I mean, I dropped drive about sixty miles through the game. Um, there's people come a lot further. Obviously, there's people come from um, Northern Ireland, and there's a few guys on, on our forum that come down for the Aberdeen area, and, and uh, I mean, it really must piss them off when they when they arrive to find that the, the, the game's off. I mean, it's 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 poor planning. I mean, we 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 stayed in the Neptune for a couple of hours. So by the time we left, and about half past three, actually, I walked back, picked the car up, and. Uh, the gates were open at the Brunel end, so I went and had a wee nosy, and the pitch was completely waterlogged. So it was it was absolutely the right decision, as much as it was frustrating for for us all. It's just um, and and the, the the sort of the quick turnaround in terms of having the um, rescheduled for the following day, I think is the right decision as well in terms of uh, our schedule for the next couple of months, uh, especially if we. Um, if we can get through against Braga, and I mean, as they said, and that will beat Hearts, so well, that game might well go to replay. So the, the games would build up. So it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, I think we're all annoyed and pissed off, but it's, it's I think the, the, the right thing was done. I mean, I was out very early yesterday morning. My, my, my boy had a game in Balfron, and I felt then there was a real danger that the game wouldn't go ahead because the, the conditions in Balfron were absolutely horrific. And my boy's game, actually kicked off it only lasted 20 minutes but I mean even just driving through I was like there's no way this game should be on I was I was amazed the referee had gone but it lasted for 20 minutes and the referee decided the game should be cancelled when one of the defenders tried to hoof the ball for a clearance and it went about 30 yards up the field and then blew back and went out for a corner and at that point he was like right game's a bogey so I, I felt then when I was driving back from that game I thought there's a real danger this game isn't going to go off and, and that's the way it turned out I, I mean <sighs> I mean, the cup final earlier on, you know, in December against Celtic, there was there was a strong possibility that that was going to be called off because we were getting some heavy rain at that point as well. I know it feels like poor planning, but I, I do think Rangers are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. You know, I mean, if they call it off early and then the pitch dries out, people will say that the game could have went ahead. So I think they've just gave it to as long as possible. And I think it's just one of the aims. It's, it's not nice. And a lot of supporters have lost money, supporters buses and all that kind of thing. And I think that impacted on the attendance today because a lot couldn't make it. You know, two days in a row. So it's just, I think it's just one of those. And I think some of the criticism aimed at Rangers yesterday was a wee bit uh, unjust. In terms of, you know, they were looking at really rescheduling this game, and there was lots of sort of, well, there's no available dates, you know, especially if Rangers get past Braga, you know, dates start to get clogged up. And it was starting to look a kind of similar situation to 2008 when we got to the FA Cup final when it was just, you know, every two games we were. We were Sorry, every two days we had a game. Does this throw a big question mark towards the winter break? Because I, I know I certainly feel, and David Graham was quite critical on the pod of it a, a couple of weeks ago, that you know you have this two or three week break in the middle of January, but then for about four or five weeks after it, you're shoehorning games in midweek, and it, it just seems to cause problems. It, is this going to have an impact on going forward, maybe looking at that winter break and scrapping it? Plus, when you think that every time we come back from a winter break, we're honking. So I would be quite quite happy to get ready just based on that alone. Aye, that's that's a fairly decent argument, uh, to be fair. Um, it's the winter breaks a nonsense. It's uh, the, the weather in, in the UK is unpredictable at the best of times. Um, I mean, you can go for the end of October through to the end of April and you can have snow, ice, frost, rain, wind, whatever you want, storms any time in that period over sort of five months. So to, to, to say to have a, a defined two, three-week break, um, it's just, 
it's just silly because, as I say, that's you can't predict the weather, so you can't say, well, we're going to have two weeks of snow then, so let's uh, let's let's have the two weeks off. I mean, I can understand why they want to do it to to give the players a bit of respite and 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 let sort of teams uh, sort out the transfer window and and what have you. But for me, it's a complete waste of time. And if they're worried about the the, the schedule, the fixtures, I mean, just extend the season, uh, bring it one or two weeks forward at the start of the season extend it by a week or so at the end of the season and that gives you a wee bit more time to play with it it'd probably help out the the, the, the teams um, that are in Europe because we're obviously we're playing qualifiers in, in June nowadays so if, if, if teams are having to prepare early for earlier league matches as well then it would be uh, it, would, it would probably help in that sense but as I say I, I find the winter break an absolute nonsense always have done um, so for me it's, it's just another example of saying no let's let's um, abolish that let's go and be playing the games and uh, and 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 uh, take it to there you know in terms of the game itself Stuart Davis in for a rebo today Halliday's continued at left back uh, Barisic is still injured as I said I wasn't at the game so I had to try and find some some dodgy stream on my phone I think it was his goals I managed to get a stream on and I was just getting warning after warning on my phone that I was getting all these viruses and stuff like that and it kept on cutting out so it wasn't the best watching experience but from what I did see it looked like another one it looked like a kind of summer game to what we've experienced from the, the winter break onwards uh, difficult conditions struggling to find form in, in terms of your opinion would it, how did you feel about the overall performance? It was fairly mediocre, wasn't it? Um, pretty typical uh, of, of how we've been playing uh, this year so far I think the players worked hard enough. I think there was quality now and again. I think we're fairly inconsistent over the piece, but um, I think the manager after the game says we should have been three or four nil up um, in the second half, and I think that's he's right to say that. I think I think the big, biggest problem just now is Morelos isn't playing well and Kent isn't playing well, and Taff had a bit of another nightmare the day as well. And, and there's your three three of your best players that aren't playing well. So if, if that right away can can explain why we're struggling, you know. And uh, in, in terms of how the game went, I thought the first half we were, were okay, huffed and puffed a wee bit. We did create a couple of chances. Uh, I thought Kent should have scored. We did a nice counter attack. He, he stepped inside, beat his man, lines up, and then tried to cover it in the the, the, the poster stamp and put it three or four yards wide, and then. Uh, Morelos was unlucky. The goalkeeper got fortunate when the ball broke to Morelos. It came off the, the goalie when it looked like it was going to end up in the net. And then Stephen Davis got put through um, as well and probably should have scored. But again, credit to the goalkeeper and the same same again to, to their keeper when he made a good save for Halliday. So we could easily have been two or three goals up at, at half-time. After half-time, I thought we, we played a bit better again. I thought our tempo was a wee bit better. I thought uh, uh, when Camberry came on, he... He offered more of a threat than what uh, Ryan Kent was doing, and he seemed his, his touch on the ball was good. He was and him and Morelos actually seemed to link quite well a few times. And again, we really should have been um, more than the one goal we, we did have. But the biggest disappointment for me disappointment for me was um, in the last ten minutes. Again, we seemed to lose our shape. We, we seemed to anxiety off the pitch, and I mean, obviously, it comes for the fans to a certain extent, but. I mean, Levy could easily have had a, an equaliser in the last 10 minutes when they've hit the post. And McGregor made a good save um, when the, the guy turned in, 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 uh, in the six-yard box as well. So that, that has to be concerning for the manager ahead of the Braga game. I mean, Braga's a, a big step up in quality for, for Livingston. Um, and Kilmarnock and, and the rest of the teams have been playing recently. So if you leave any, any sort of gaps or any opportunities for them, they'll take it. So it's as I say, I, I don't think we're seeing anything new um, in terms of, we know our, our form isn't great. I think there is signs we're, we're getting there to a certain extent, but there just seems to be a, a, a real lack of confidence throughout the team just now. And it, I think it's just when your key players are playing well, it, it filters to the, the guys that look to these key players. I mean, and and unfortunately, it's it's something that's only got, we can only play our way out of. And as fans, we can only try our best to support the players and, 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 and stay... Uh, Stay by them as 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 they go through these tough periods of form. It happens to everybody. So, um, I was we got the win. I think that's probably um, as good as we can say today. Yeah, I'm a wee bit disappointed that Ross wasn't on tonight because we all know that that Ross 
loves Scotty Arfield. Uh, not. I mean, I, I, you know how I feel about Scott Arfield, and he seems to want. I mean, I know you've just spoke there, and I, I think you're right that a lot of your key players. I've had a few discussions today on Twitter, and a lot of supporters moaning about the system, saying we need to change it. But I, I still firmly believe that a lot of where we are now is down to just key players just losing form. You know, too many of these these big players are, are not playing. But one that's taken advantage of that is Arfield. You know, he's come in another goal today. And you kind of have to wonder, if, if it wasn't for him popping up, this whole situation could be a lot worse because I, mean, that's, I think that's about three goals in four or five games or something like now. And, you know, Morelos isn't chipping in. I was looking at some stats today. He's, he's got something like three goals in the last 10 or 12 league games. You know, he's really had a dry patch. So it feels that we're, we're quite lucky to have our field at the moment because he's, he's, he's chipping in a lot of the goals at the moment. Aye, for sure. Um, I think we're all pretty critical of our field before before Christmas. They didn't really have a good start to the season at all. And but I mean, Arfield's undoubted quality. He didn't play in the Premiership for for a number of years uh, without being a good player, and he showed that in his uh, his first season for us. And um, he's he's definitely been shown up um, in, in in recent games, and the goals he scored have all been good ones. Maybe a wee bit lucky today. I mean, their goalkeeper made a good job. He he tried to stop his shot, but. Um, Arfield works hard. You will always get a shift out of him. I think in the first half of the season, he was kind of struggling with his touch. His passing was off. He wasn't finding space as much, and he, obviously, he's not the quickest nowadays either. So it's that's why I think moving him back into the sort of deeper three um, is it works quite well. It means you can see the game ahead of him. He can still make breaks to support the attack when they can, and, and he did that today to good effect. And I mean, he scored one. Um, he was unlucky not to get a, grab another. I mean, Morelos obviously took, sort of took the ball off his foot and scored, and it was that was a, a perfectly good goal once more disallowed today. Um, I feel to be annoyed though because he was coming on just to finish it, um, and it would have taken any any Dubai out of it. But I, it's it, I think we were we we're, we're certainly mentioned a few players that aren't playing well um, at all, but I feel's one that is, and that's that's a positive because he is a key player, and if if we can get the other guys back to playing. To what we know they can do, um, then we'll soon have the team playing and uh, obtaining results the, the, the quality that we're, we're, we're kind of used to or had been used to uh, before Christmas. The, the assist for AR Field's goal, Stuart, it came from Haji. Now, again, it was it was kind of difficult for me looking at watching the game on my phone to try and judge uh, just how much he was impacting on the game. But based on what I've seen from so far, he obviously comes from. Uh, top drawer stock in terms of his dad and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that he's worth this amount and that amount and a lot's expected of him, you know, they, they seem to think that this boy's got a bright future. How do you think he's done since he's arrived at Rangers? My own feeling is he's, there's wee hints of what he's capable of, but he's, he doesn't seem to just be uh, dictating games yet, you know, and having a, a, a big impact on them in terms of you know, dictating the pace or the tempo and all that kind of thing. But there's wee flashes of, of what's, what he's capable of. I noticed he was taking corner kicks today with his right foot and his left foot. And and the pass that put through Arfield was 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 very decent. I have been quite impressed with Hadji. I must admit, I, I wasn't... I remember his, his first 45 minutes of the week there at Ibrox, I was um, kind of unsure about him. He was getting knocked off the ball a bit too easy and you're thinking, is he going to... How's he got to handle the physical side? I mean, clearly, a Romanian football, there's always going to be, he should be used to it to a certain extent anyway. So, um, but he's, he's done really quite well, actually. He's, he's fit into the team quite good. Um, he, he can play further forward, he can play a bit wider, he can actually play a bit deeper um, if, if necessary as well. He's, like you say, he's two footed. Um, okay, he's maybe flitted in and out of games uh, so far, which isn't the ideal, but I think as somebody that's just arrived, He's went into a team that isn't playing well just now. I think, I, I think, he's, and he's still showing his quality. It shows that he's a very decent player, and I think he'll he will only get better as the rest of the team get better. Especially somebody like Tav, um, who obviously I don't think he's been playing well at all. I don't think he's had a great season. Uh, bits and pieces here or there. I think we did miss him recently, um, and we were all keen to get him back in the team, but he's, he hasn't really got going yet. I'm sure he will again. Hopefully, again on. Um, on Thursday night um, against Braga, but once, once, um, and the same could be said for Morelos. So once these all these understandings develop, then 
I think um, Hadji can only get better. And uh, he's, he's, I mean, we've all got the football to watch exciting players and to watch guys beat players and, and, and uh, do the, the nice stuff. And, and, and Hadji is one of these guys that you pay your money for, you know. Sorry, I was, I, I was talking there with my mute on. So sorry, sure. Uh, Camberry was the other guy that came in in January there. So he came on today. That's probably the the, the, the longest run in a game he's had. I think he got a good sort of 25, 30 minutes. You know, he's been coming on for the sort of last five, 10 minutes. And, and since he signed, got a good, decent uh, chunk of the game today. Again, I thought there was wee signs that he could maybe ask. I thought he was really, really unlucky with his goal. Uh, if he was offside, it was you know, by a toenail. Uh, and I, I, I thought there was maybe even an argument to say he was level. But how did you feel about his performance today? I thought, again, similar to Hadji, there was just wee signs that there could be something there. Uh, Camberry's a, a player I've always liked, I must admit. I thought Hibs, he, 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 um, he always impressed me when he played against us, uh, for sure. I mean, Hibs is not the most popular player amongst Hibs fans nowadays for, for his comments after they're coming to us. And, even before that, I, I think um, the one that impressed me was work rate. And, I mean, he'd been played wider um, and deeper than what he, he prefers. I think he definitely prefers to be played through the middle, um, up alongside another striker. And, and But I, 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 th I think there was two schools you thought um, the other week there. You either went for, if we're looking for your, this third striker, it was Canberra or Lyndon Dykes. And I admit I'll, I'll probably take any because I, I think sometimes we need to change things. It would be good to have had somebody like Dykes where you can actually throw the ball into the box and have somebody that's a bit more physical and can can um, can challenge for stuff. I'm not so sure Canberra can do that, but in terms of the way we play, we need players that are comfortable on the ball, they can take it in and uh, and bring it and link with others. And I think Canberra does that and he did, he did it well today. And I, I actually, it was pretty noticeable. As, I mean, I've been fairly critical of Miles, but I thought he improved uh, later in the game when Canberra came on. I thought they, they, they worked uh, quite well together. I mean, it was Marielos' pass for the, the goal that was disallowed for Canberra, and it was a fantastic pass. As you mentioned, if it was offside, it must have been really, really tight. I think Gerard said in his uh, post-match interview that he reckoned he was just offside. Uh, I've not really seen a good view of it um, as yet myself. So, but it was a good finish, and I, I think that's something Canberra's got as well. He's always he scored a few goals against us, and they've always been uh, good finishes. So there's, there's definitely a player there, um, I, I think. He's, he's going to be used fairly often um, in the next few weeks, obviously, without Defoe. I mean, you'd expect Defoe to be out look for another month or something anyway. So, um, Canberra's going to be playing, especially if, if Morelos continues to struggle in front of goal as well. So, it's good. It's very good and very positive to see him play well today. And, and uh, I hope the lad uh, takes a lot of heart for it. A final sort of comment on today's game, Stuart. The... The referee performance yet again. We're talking about referees. Stephen Gerrard. Now I've I've been quite critical of Gerrard, or, or, or not critical, but slightly disappointed that he's he's not, you know, been more vocal in some of the decisions that have went against us. I thought the the Morelos goal on Wednesday night against Kilmarnock, which we'll, we'll, we'll slightly touch on later in the show. I mean, I think that's a shocker, a real shocker. But, but the type of thing that you know, if that goes in and counts, it puts you in that bracket of a team that's had a, a a bad performance but got the result and you know that's how teams win titles and all that instead the referee gives it another way and then we, we go on to lose the game so Gerard was very vocal today especially about the Morelos one which when when you do see that as a shocker I would say he's about a half yard on uh, I thought the Canberra one was was, was really tight if, it, if, if there was VAR operating up here it would be one of those ones that would be like he's his armpit or something like that that was offside and, and for, for a linesman I mean my, my feeling on this is, is anything that's marginal at the moment is going against us we, we don't seem to be getting any marginal decisions going in our favour and it's all key decisions it's all goals that are getting chopped off or, or goals that are standing as as in the, the, the Betfred Cup final you know so it feels like a lot of that stuff's going against us and as I say Gerard he said today he felt it was the right time to comment I feel he could have commented on a game-to-game -game basis on the, on, the, on the various incidents as they happened. But we'll go through them all. I mean, firstly, John Guthrie's tackle on Goldson. Uh, to me, it was the, the tackle that's getting compared to is the one that Sam Cosgrove put on at Celtic Park. I think it was against Ayer a few weeks ago. Now, I would say it's worse than that because one Sam Cosgrove gets the ball, 
he takes the ball, he's off the ground, and that's the reason we were told why it, it, it was it was a red card because he's off the ground and he's out of control. Guthrie doesn't get the ball today. Goldson gets the ball away, and then Guthrie comes in half a second, a second later, in a similar fashion to cause growth. He's off the ground, he's out of control, but he doesn't win the ball. It it just takes Goldson out. Uh, to me, that was a, a blatant red card. What were your thoughts on it? Ah, it's hard to disagree. I mean, you see a lot of these challenges in games where, where defenders are, are ready to clear it, and it's quite often usually the strikers are actually. I remember London Dykes did one against Goldson earlier in the season at Livingston. Uh, the, the, the striker comes across and tries to sort of block the clearance. Uh, I mean, that wasn't what happened today. Guthrie slid in extremely late. He'd been bullied off the ball by Goldson, who had, I thought had done a good game today. And uh, he was high, he was late, it was right on the ankle, it was nowhere near the ball, it was out of control, and it was as clear a red card as, as you'll see all season. And, and I mean, I, I don't know how far away the referee was, but the linesman was, what, two or three yards away? So he should be given that as a red card. But clearly, he bottled it. Um, and I mean, I mean, Golson's quite lucky that he wasn't injured more badly than what it seemed to be because it was, it was such a dangerous tackle, um, far too uh, strong and out of control. And these are all the um, the factors that the referee has to take into account when he's making red card decisions. And that was, as I say, it's an easier red card as as you'll see all season. Was I mean, how did you feel about Gerard on this? I mean, as I said earlier on. I felt he could have commented previously. He, he, he said today that he felt it was the right time now to comment, which does suggest that he's been aware of decisions and he's not been happy with certain decisions. How do you feel about Do you feel he could have commented previously or was today the right day to do it? I think it's always better to do it after a, a win than a defeat. I, I get his point about uh, it, it looks kind of like um, uh, hard cheese if you're... If you're uh, if, if you're doing it after you've just been beat. But at the same time, every manager does it. If, if you're, you can't do it after every game. It wouldn't work like that. You do just look like you're complaining for the sake of it. However, when there's a runny matches where key decisions, very important decisions, league title winning decisions are getting made against you, you have to make more of it. I mean, the, the, the Clancy game at, at Parkhead is, is your, your, your prime example. Um, you had your beating game was it last season uh, or the season before against Hibs at Ibrox. There's two or three games that really stand out above all others where you really think, what the hell is going on here? But th this has been, in this year alone, 2020 alone, there's now been the last three or four games where it's decision after decision. You had the one where the um, Lewis Stevenson pulled Morelos back the other week there and didn't get booked. And then the same thing happened at Rugby Park the other night there with... Uh, the, the wee guy in the wing, come on, I forget his name. And even at, later in the game... He was pulling at Tav. Was it uh, Tav? Uh, ah, yeah. And, and it didn't uh, become there. And then later in the game, that, that guy, Rory McKenzie, he was kicking the ball away and, and, and nothing happening. The day the, the, the um, I think it was a mood, the Livingston striker, first five minutes, booted the ball away. The referee warned him. It's like, why are you warning him? If he's breaking the rules, book him. If it's Morelos doing these things, these guys get, Morelos gets booked. It's Ryan Jack, he gets booked or sent off it. It's just, as I say, it's beyond a joke now. And as much as I can understand why why Gerard doesn't want to look as if he's complaining all the time, you've you've got to raise it and you've got to keep on it. Because if you didn't keep on it, then at the end of the day, you, you didn't benefit. Um, and we all see that Celtic are the ones that have benefited for decisions and their fans still act and their managers still act as if they're the ones that are wronged all the time. So it's, 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 you've got to be cute about it. Um, but I think we do need to say a bit more because this this year especially, um, some of the, the decision making is beyond a joke. I mean, the, the one, the, the, the handball, I don't know if you've got to come on to the, 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 for the corner later in the game and the command play that came off his arm and the referee apparently told goals and they never gave it because of the weather. I mean, what? I've never heard of that in my life. Is that, was that the, the one today against Livingston? Uh, aye, aye, it's aye. Just, yeah. it's utterly bizarre. How can you not give a, a penalty because it's windy? Well, I mean, I, I saw a lot of comment on social media about that incident and a lot of fans are saying, oh, wasn't that uh, a couple of weeks ago or was it last week when when Goldson, you know, had the handball incident at Hamilton? Now, lots of people have pointed out that the rules state if someone's diving, you know, to, to header a ball or something like that or if they fell and the ball hits their hand, 
it, it's it's not a it's not a foul or it's not a penalty or anything like that. That one today, the ball's in the air, the guy goes to header it, totally misses it, and it bounces off his arm. And if he lets the ball run through, it's going to run through to Goldson, and he might get a header on target, he might get a shot away at goal. So to me, they're two totally different incidents. Uh, I mean, I'd be shouting for a penalty for the Goldson one last week if, if it was Rangers, obviously. But the rules stipulate in those sort of situations, that's not what happens. So that's just the way it is. But that today, and as, and as you said, for the referee to come away with... Uh, Oh, it's the weather. It's the conditions. I can't give it because the conditions. I'm sorry. That's that's unforgivable for me, and, and that's maybe what's you know prompted Gerard to speak out today. If you know if, if referees can give a rational explanation, like I didn't see it or I'm not sure, or if I'm not 100% sure, I can't give it. And I thought this and I thought that. But if he's turning around and saying, "Well, it's windy today, so I can't give it," then I think Gerard was right to speak out. But one thing I will say, there's there's other games he could have spoke out. I know what you're saying about the, you know, if we get beat, it could look like sour grapes and, and all the rest of it. But I, I do feel he could have commented about the Morelos goal. I think he could have been more strong in that. And there's been other decisions as well recently that I think he could have opened. But he's done it now. You know, he's 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 put his, his case out. But I do notice that some of our friends in the media are now saying that that's a sign that he's starting to crack and he can't cope with the pressure and all the rest of it. But, Sorry, I think he was, he was every right, and, and it was a legitimate complaint today. If he's getting told that, that his team is not getting a penalty because it's windy and because of the, the weather conditions, then I think he's got every right to to, to speak up. Uh, sure, I think we've covered the the, the Levy game there. So thought we would sort of slightly touch on the Kelly game. Obviously, it's a few days ago now, but it, it felt like a monumental result and, and not in a good way. In, in terms of the result, in terms of where it's put us in the league, is is that the game that it, it, it feels like it for me? Is that the game that's that's ended the the, the title chase for us this season? Possibly. I mean, I, I don't think you ever want to to concede titles um, in February. Um, I, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. I mean, to their credit, Celtic's playing very well just now. Um, I, I think it'd just be childish to. To see otherwise, I mean, they're, they're benefiting possibly for some refereeing decisions where we're getting opposite, but they're, they're grinding at wins. I mean, they did that today at Pedodri, obviously. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think the league's gone yet. I mean, we've still got to play them twice, so um, we've already shown um, several times in the last couple of years now that we're more than capable of matching them and beating them home or away now. Um, so these games are important. There's your six points there right away, you've got your three. Uh, points or a game in hand you do that you're only a point behind so you can't go conceding titles is it likely no I, I, I don't think so I mean I think if if we were 10 points ahead like what Celtic are then we'd be just as confident as they are so it's it, it maybe is um, a long shot but as I say these guys have paid a lot of money tens of thousands of pounds in the case of a few of them and we really need to um keep turning up and start showing a bit more gumption, a bit more belief and uh, and, and really trying to apply a bit of pressure to Celtic. Yeah. I think that's probably been the saddest thing, uh, is just when you get the chance to do that after beating them at Parkhead then you, you, you just effectively capitulate in the new year, which is for the second time in less than a year or in a year, so it's, it's really a, a real worry. Um, but as I say, there's still a lot to play for, not just in terms of the league, you've got the Scottish Cup, um, and you've got uh, the Europa League uh, coming up very quickly. So I, I think we just need to try and stay behind the players. And our, our, the majority of fans are doing that, and that's great. I mean, there's going to be another uh, great attendance again yesterday. It'll be a full house on Thursday. And you can only just hope that the, the, the players turn their form around. And if they do, then they, they'll give Celtic something to think about. I mean, just now that the Celtic's playing well, but that can change. Um, we've seen that before, and and um, and well, up to Sunday years. So there's the first. I don't. I don't think it's gone just yet. Um, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see on that score. I don't know about you, sure, but the frustrating thing for me was the manner they did feet. And you know, it's happened a couple of times now. It's happened a couple of times, you know, over the last two or three weeks. You know, you go to your ground. It's you know, we went to Tynecastle. Hearts are bottom of the league, I know, but. Tynecastle's always got a bit of atmosphere about it. It can be a hard place to play, you know, a, a, an intimidating place to play. And, you know, we struggled and got the goal and then threw it away and 2-1 and, and lost the game late on, sort of 
you know, fairly cheaply, I thought, you know, we gave away the, set, the, the first goal in that game. It, it was kind of similar to Kilmarnock and, you know, Kilmarnock have done, a, done this to us before, you know, it seems to be the same teams time and time again that, that kind of undo us. And that, that's what I find frustrating. You know, it seems to me that the minute we turn up at a ground where there's a bit of edge, there's a bit of atmosphere, you know, it, initially we, we sort of do not bad and very often we take the lead. And then for whatever reason, you know, the minute the minute we we concede the equaliser, we just seem to go to pieces. And uh, I agree with you that, you know, in terms of where we were as we, as we approached the winter break, you know, after that result at Celtic Park, you know, we finally thought we were applying some pressure. You know, if we win that game in hand, but we're going to be two points in front of them. And you think the team would get confidence from that. You think they would go away and th- get a bit of belief behind them and think, you know what, we're in this title race. And as you say, for the second year, we've come back and... It just seems that we, we we can't handle the pressure. So that's what that's what I found frustrating. It, it, it felt to me like a predictable defeat, which worries me. If you know what I mean. Aye, it was it was quite a, a strange game. I mean, I, I don't think we played all that well for the first half. We certainly didn't create very many opportunities, and then you get kind of got a goal sort of out of nothing. Um, but I mean, we were by far the better team in the first half, and Kilmarnock were never in it at all. They didn't really play very well. Didn't get men forward. And that changed after half time. They, they really sort of came out and had a go at us. And, and we just seemed to be shocked by that and we didn't seem able to react to it. Yet at the same time, they didn't really look like scoring, um, if, if I'm perfectly honest. And we seemed, they seemed to blow themselves out a wee bit and we came back into it. And I thought we started to dominate. I thought Manelos was really unlucky with his, uh, his lob that hit the bar. Um, and then clearly the, um, we had the goal disallowed. I mean, again, Kamarnock could have had a man sent off. Dicker could have easily been sent off. These things change games. And just as, you, as we're looking like we're going to go and get a second goal, Kamarnock go up the park and get a, as lucky a goal as you'll see all season. Again, from a handball that isn't seen by the referee or any of the officials, and, and it's one all. But I still thought we looked like the more likely team to to get the winner. And as I said, the Miller's uh, header was disallowed for... Next to nothing, really. I think, if we're honest, it was just a ridiculous decision. But to concede the second goal in, in that manner, I mean, just a one punt up the park. Katic didn't win the header, um, and Golson was was done by Brophy, and it was a great finish by him, to be fair. And after that, we I mean we had another couple of half sort of chances, but by that time the points have gone, and it is a worry. It is very, very, very much so a worry that we kind of seem to go to places like Tynecastle, where we're going in a couple of weeks in the cup. Places like Rugby Park and go there and win consistently because if you didn't, if you kind of do that, you didn't win stuff. Simple as that. So it's uh, it's this mentality or or lack of quality that it's something the manager needs to address. And I think I think he needs to take his fair share of criticism as well. I mean, we just seem to be. I thought we've seen it again today. A bit too open at times. I know we're trying to go win games, but today we were one up. At Rugby Park, we were one up and we're kind of pushing on to try and get a second goal, which is fine. Of course, we want to do that, but at the same time, it's good to keep it a wee bit tighter at the back. And teams have seemed to be able to go quite direct, a long ball, their big striker wins it. And we seem to have nobody in the vicinity for the second ball. And that's what happened today with London Dykes. That's what happened with Doffy um, in midweek. And that's something that's a concern for me and it should be a concern for the, for the manager. Yeah, as I say, that's, that's, I mean, I, I don't think I could disagree with much that you said there, Stuart, to be honest with you. I, I just felt that, you know, even when we went one nothing up, you know, parties like, yeah, that's us one nothing up, come on. But there, there was always that thing in the back of my mind that I thought, I've been here before and it just feels like it's going to go that way again. Plus, I'd had an absolute shatter of a day, if I'm being honest with you. So it kind of felt like the day wasn't going to get any better. But it was just the predictability of the, the, the result that kind of up to me but uh, in terms of the league I I think it's gone I mean I, I slightly disagree with you I don't think Celtic are playing well at all at the moment but what they are doing as you said is they're grinding out results you know they're, 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 no matter how sort of mediocre they are they just find a way which I suppose is what, what teams that win titles do they just find a way to get the, the, the points in the bag and go into the next game uh, we just look to, to me we just look like a team that's nervous out of confidence and I don't think we'll go the rest of the season without dropping further points. And I don't think Celtic... I think the only team that could possibly beat Celtic is us. And I could see us beating them twice, but then dropping points elsewhere. So I think it 
I think it, we've left ourselves a, a bridge too far, although I hope I'm wrong. Moving on to other stuff through the week, Stuart, uh, there was a big announcement, sort of, I think I think it came on a Thursday, and again, in, in, in typical Scottish football fashion, kicked off this whole stramash. Uh, it was announced that a 12-year-old boy had been charged with racist abuse of Alfredo Morelos uh, at the at Celtic Park on the 29th of December when Rangers won there 2-1. Now, that prompted a statement from the club. Now, we, we, we've already had a wee bit of chat uh, me and yourself and other guys that are in the pod on the, on the WhatsApp chat. And there was a, a bit of disagreement. My own view was that I, I think Rangers are kind of long overdue and making a statement about the, the treatment of Morelos and the, the, it, it received more abuse again on Wednesday night. You know, uh, uh, th- th- there's been more evidence of racial abuse against them at, at, at Rugby Park. However, I was, I was really disappointed in the statement itself and I, I felt it went in areas that, that that could be described as point scoring, which I felt was unnecessary. You know, I, I, I think the, the role of PR is to put fires out and is to try and protect, you know, quote unquote, the brand. You know, and that's what PR should be doing for the club. It should be protecting the club, maintaining its name, you know, trying to take any, any sort of controversy in situations, you know, taking the sting out of situations rather than injecting it. And I felt that's what that statement done in some of its comments it, you know it took a dig at the BBC which you know is probably legitimate but it didn't take a dig at the Sun which has had a real go at Morelos uh, so that, that made it feel like it, it actually felt more like it was James Trainer having a go at people that he didn't like in the media whereas I think the statement could have just went down the roads of saying you know we know that our player uh, is being racially abused and there's now another charge and there's been a few of those uh, we know that the media are sort of making light of this. Uh, we'll support them, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think two, three paragraphs. Because to me, the, the fact that that boy's being charged says says everything for you anyway. You just need to emphasise that. And I, I just felt it strayed into areas that didn't need to stray into. I know already that there's been a wee bit of disagreement with, with us and other guys in the pod, but how did you feel about the statement itself? Um, I wasn't overly impressed, if if I'm honest. I, I, I thought it was long-winded and didn't really hit the mark. Um, it, I think Rangers were, were well within their rights to, to reply to, to some of the media coverage. Um, I didn't really have so much an issue with that, but I kind of think it's, it's separate to what's happening to Morelos in terms of police charges and racism. Um, to a certain extent, so I, I think they were kind of conflating the two, the two different issues, and it, it, it just seemed a bit, a bit sort of, a bit cheap. Our, our statement. I, I didn't. I kind of see I'm a big fan of Jim Trainer. I don't think many Rangers fans are, to be honest. And uh, I think it would be good and healthy to have a, a, a change in, in PR. Um, I, I mean, we used to to, to poke fun at, at Charles Green and and the rest of those. Uh, Charlatans, shall we call them, and when they were using uh, Jar Coven and and guys like that, and, and when it always seems to me when when these um, PR people become the story, then there's there's they're doing something wrong. They should be in the back. I mean, I don't know who who's Celtics PR. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it, was it no Holicom? I mean, I don't know who the person is. The, the, the Holicom are, are part of it, but they don't do everything. I don't think. Um, but I, I, you don't know the names behind it, you know what I'm saying? Whereas everything, I mean, again, this is where guys like Michael Stewart and that, they, they, they muddy the waters by bringing the names of these people into it, and, and he was wrong. And, and I can understand why, why Rangers took the opportunity to get a dig in back at him. I mean, but the thing is, we won that battle. I remember no one in the war with the BBC, but we won that battle. Stewart was suspended, still suspended, and made himself look, look like a right plonker. <laughs> In terms of what he said, not just about trainer, but about the, like asking for evidence of racism. When it, I mean, it's it's happening all the time now. Um, it's it's really sad to to, to see it. It's at several grounds. I mean, Cadodre, Celtic Park. Um, I mean, you got stuff thrown at them at Fir Park. Now there's Rugby Park. Rugby Park. Now it's just like it's that's like it's approaching half the grounds in the, the country where they're having a go at this guy. And you see people making excuses. Oh, there's other black players and they're going to get it. It's the way he behaves usual victim blaming nonsense and and it comes from it comes from people like Michael Stewart, Chris Sutton, 
and these other guys in the newspapers that, that make light of it, and, and it's really disappointing. And and uh, so, but as I say, I, I don't think statements on a website or our website is going to really change anything. I think you can only lobby the football authorities, the the politicians, and, and stuff like that. And and by making having cheap shops, then it, it doesn't really help your case, and you'll not garner much support when it comes to to the political arena. And I think that's what we're missing to a certain extent. There's, Everything that's happening at Rangers still is, is, is a bit of circus, and it kind of worries me that, that it's going to piss Stephen Gerrard off at some point. I mean, you have this stuff about Neos and the private detective. You now have got this stuff about Jim Trainer, and then you've got him. I mean, what happened to him last week where he's been assaulted, apparently the victim of sectarian uh, assault. I mean, that, that's disgraceful. As much as I know a fan of Trainer um, or his PR or his statements uh, most of the time, the guy deserves to do his job and go about his business without getting assaulted just because somebody on the radio, somebody's heard a, a moron like Stuart on the radio having a go at him. So I think oh, I'm going to have a go at this orange, whatever you want to call him. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 all a bit of a circus and a bit annoying. And, and I, it's it's a, there's a tough line to find. Um, you you didn't want to have the, the this um, dignified silence that doesn't that doesn't work. But neither do you want to be calling out every single little thing that just makes you look petty and stupid. Um, unfortunately, we seem to struggle to find that fine line, and um, I think a change of PR would would definitely be the right idea. Unfortunately, do you do that in the middle of a firefight? Probably not. Um, again, so it's, it's something maybe you look to to do in the in, in the close season, and I think I think we're getting there on the park, and we need to try and stop short sort um, stuff out off the park. I think we need to go about our business a bit better and, and certainly in terms of PR and, and uh, it's, it's something to, for us to, to, to look to improve in the in the medium term, let's say. I, I mean, uh, in terms of trainer, I mean, I don't have any personal against the guy, right, but part of me thinks that his previous career is part of the problem. You know, it seems to me that when he was in that career, he's, he's maybe made a few enemies for whatever reasons, I don't know. Uh, and he seems to be bringing that baggage to the job. And it seems to me that when he's preparing statements and, and doing his job for Rangers, that he can't separate his own battles with some of these people rather than just speaking on behalf of the club. And to me, I mean, I, I don't work in a PR role but I do work in an office uh, in an, an organisation that depends heavily on comms and PR. And, you know, anytime we issue anything, it's always as little as possible and you stick to the facts. You know what I mean? And I just feel sometimes the statements that come for trainer are a wee bit too emotional. They're a wee bit too aiming towards scoring points when he doesn't need to. And I do think that part of the reason for that is his previous career and he's bringing that to the role. Now, I'm not saying that because of that. I mean, you know, the, the, the Morelos thing's getting downplayed. I think you're right. I think the club has every right to speak out on that and, and call some people out. But there's also sometimes, you know, Michael Stewart's the type of person that if you give him enough rope, he's going to hang himself. And he has. You know what I mean? So we didn't need to point score against Michael Stewart. He's talked himself out of role. And I just think... Sometimes a trainer just gets too personally and emotionally involved when he's when he's trying to bring out statements, and that results, in my opinion, I know there'll be Rangers fans out here who'll maybe disagree with me, but that results in creating more fires than you're putting out. And to, for me, the whole point of PR is public relations. You you improve your relations with the outside world. I think the stuff that we're doing now is doing the reverse of that. Now, I get we don't have a compliant media, and I know that, you know, a lot of people were saying to me through the week, it doesn't matter what we would say, uh, they would still have a go. And that is true to a certain extent, but, I mean, Graham Spears took to Twitter straight away after that, that uh, statement came out, and the only criticism he had of it was who wrote it. You know, and he was criticising the syntax and the punctuation and all that kind of thing. If that statement just stuck to the facts, Graham Spears would have nowhere to go with it. Instead, he can take the spotlight off what the you know the twelve-year-old boy getting charged with racism, which apparently Spears doesn't want to talk about. You know, the nature of that statement takes the spotlight off what it should be on and puts it on something else. And if Rangers had issued, in my opinion, if Rangers had issued a statement that was short, sharp, concise, and to the point, 
and didn't go into other areas, the likes of Spears, the likes of Michael Stewart, and all these people who always have something to say when it comes to Rangers would have had nowhere to go with it. So I get that we don't have a compliant media, but I think good PR gives them nowhere to go. And I think at the moment we give them plenty of places to go with it. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's just my opinion. I know there'll be some Rangers fans who feel, you know, it's quite an emotional subject and the club's taken a kick in over the last few years on a, on, on a lot of fronts. And a lot of fans want to, you know, stand up for the club and I get that. I, I, I'm with you, Stuart. I, I think we need to be a bit clever at this. I think we need to be cuter. I think we need to think of the image of the club in terms of how it's projected uh, to, to people outside the club. And I don't think we're doing that right now. As, as I said earlier on, I don't think that <laughs> that provokes someone to walk up to Jim Trainer uh, and, and assault him. You know, and even that's been downplayed. You know, the amount of comments that I've seen on social media with Celtic fans and people that don't like the club saying it didn't happen or it did happen, but it's because of things and he's he's in Jim Trainer's private life and you know it's got nothing to do with his job. And I did notice that Stuart Cosgrove it was, uh, tried to downplay it a wee bit yesterday on uh, Sports Sound, you know, sort of because he had obviously had Craig White on yesterday, you know, and he tried to downplay the whole people getting assaulted that are in Scottish football. Uh, it was John McCallum that mentioned that to me and, and he was sort of saying it felt like Cosgrove was trying to deny that that incident with Trainer had taken place. So I get that we don't have a compliant media. We do have people out there that don't like the club and they're going to be very vocal about not liking the club. I don't agree with the dignified silence, but you can be quite concise and to the point and just state your case without getting into areas that you don't need to get into. And I think that's where we are going wrong at the moment. But as I said, it's it's that's just my opinion. You still there, Stuart? I am. Sorry, mate. I, thought, I assumed you were just moving on to the next point. I, I, I thought, I think, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, think I, I, I thought maybe you'd want to come back. Sorry, no, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I think uh, you summed it up uh, fairly well. I, I mean, as you say, I, I think this uh, 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 before Christmas or before New Year, but I, I think we've been getting our act together on the park and to a certain extent off the park in terms of getting Gerard in the door and, and doing well with players, moving players on and. And, and financially, I think the club's doing fairly well and we're organising share issues and things like that. I just think this, certainly in recent weeks, it's kind of, there's been, been this sort of back to the banter years type thing for me. And it's all been a bit of a circus. I mean, if it isn't, I mean, what's happened to Morales in terms of racism is unforgivable. And, and the same for Jim Trainer being assaulted. I mean, it's nonsensical that, that, that these things happen in modern day Scotland. Um, however, it's all a bit, as I say, to me, it's all a bit, of, a, a bit of a worry that we're still fighting, bun fighting with BBC and uh, Scotland, and we're still having issues with private investigators and, and, and all this rest. Of it. It's just, I really want to, want to just get to the stage where we're talking about Rangers winning stuff again and no worrying about PR and worrying about retail stuff and suing people in courts. and we're still got all this crap going on in the background and it just worries me. If you want to be seen as a credible force in football, it doesn't matter if you talk about Scottish football or European football, you can't have all this crap going on in the background all the time. You've got to be more professional. I mean, even the go down to the, the state of the pitch recently, it's just, there's still things for me that, that, that there's question marks or and the, the general run of the club. I mean, Dave King's not had his troubles to seek personally when it comes to assaults and robberies and things like that back home in South Africa. But there seems to be there's stuff missing on a day-to-day -day basis at iBox. I don't know if it, if it's Stuart Robertson isn't strong enough in his role, whether we're, we're missing the, the chairman needs to be there more often or whether we need some more um, non-executive uh, directors in there that really carry a bit of gravitas and, and uh, uh, sway politically and in the media and stuff like that. We didn't have any of this stuff just now, and we're still kind of not an even keel when it comes to stuff. And we're not fighting, we're sort of fighting with one hand behind our back, is maybe a good analogy. And, and whereas Celtic have got both of both our fists and, and, and capable of fighting. And, and it's as I say, this this PR stuff for me, it just isn't working. And the quicker we can make a change, the better. I don't think we'll be doing it anytime soon, but 
it's it's definitely something the club need to look at and, and uh, fingers crossed it happens soon. Hey, on to Thursday night, Stuart, it's uh, Europa League night, a uh, big European night under the lights at Ibrox. Always look forward to those. Uh, now, I think when the draw was made, we were all fairly sort of happy with Braga. I wanted a, a sort of bigger name. I must admit it was something for an Ajax or a, or a Man United or an Arsenal or something like that. But we've got Braga. Now, they're, they're, it seems to me like we're, we're getting them at the wrong moment. We're sort of struggling. Uh, they're flying. They're sitting third in the Premier League. Uh, won five of the last six uh, and drew the other. Uh, I would say it's a big challenge. That said, though, they're, they're sitting 16 points behind Porto, who are in second place. And Porto obviously couldn't beat us over the two legs. You know, we got, I think it was a 2-2 draw over the road there. and Or was it one each over in Porto? Uh, we've got the draw over in Porto and, and we, we won at Ibrox. So, you know, on one, on one hand, you think, oh, maybe getting this team at the wrong time here. You know, don't fancy our chances. And then another sort of side of it, you're thinking, well, if we replicate the form we, we produced against Portal, we have a real, real good chance against this team. So what's, what fence are you sitting on, essentially, is what I'm asking you. In some ways, I think, I mean, some of our best games this season have been the European games because I, I think that the, the tactics kind of suit us a bit more. We, we, we're actually, I'd say, we're, we're more suited to, to play on the counter and, or certainly playing up against teams that are prepared to come at us. And we, we can get other you know a two and a, a two and four with them and, and that's why we, we we do pretty well in Europe when teams think they're our equal or better than us they're they're on the park of the bus they're coming and having a go so we're able to to counter quite well and 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 when your players like uh, Morelos are, are clearly in, in great form Ryan Jack uh, Goldson has all done pretty well this season Barisic as well and then you can you fancy your chances of um scoring goals and, and winning games against anybody in Europe and and when the draw was made uh, the tail end of last season where we got Braga I was pretty pleased just because because we've done so well against Porto you automatically think well Porto as you say they're, they're, they're 16 points in front of Braga so um, we must have a good chance and I think we do um, Braga have been playing well though I mean I think it was it they beat Benfica at the weekend to the top of the league so um, I mean they just sold was it the striker Trincao to Barcelona for what 30 million uh, Euros, something like that, 35 million. Yeah, but I don't think he, go, he doesn't go to the summer, though, no, does that's he? That's right, that's right. So yeah. he's, he's still there. So it shows you the quality they've got. I mean, maybe we could be selling Morelos for that kind of money pretty soon as well, of course. But so it does, just because you've got one player worth that doesn't mean to say the, the rest of the team is, is of fantastic quality. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think it can go either way. I, I'm I'm hopeful that the, the break for the domestic football will, will help the players. I think in terms of the European games, we've, we've done pretty well because... There's that lack of pressure on us. Nothing was really expected to us. First of all, you're not entirely expected to make the group stage. And then when you do, you're not entirely expected to qualify from it. So we've, we've, we've um, exceeded expectations there. So again, are, are we expected to beat Bragg over two legs? Um, I don't I don't know. I think um, if, if you'd asked me that um, after the Celtic game, I'd say, yep, no problem, let's bring it on. Recently, our form has not been so good. So there's maybe that, that bit of doubt. But... As I say, I, I think these two games will probably suit us a bit more than a lot of the games we've played in in, in domestic football recently. So uh, I think I'm, I'm not entirely sure how Braga are going to play on Thursday. I, I'd imagine they'll, they'll keep it fairly compact, maybe play with a medium block and try to, to hit us on the counter. But, and so there'll still be that element of us maybe dominating possession and looking to break them down. But I think the game will definitely be a bit more open than, than most of our games at Ibrox recently. So I'm kind of hoping that we can we can take advantage of that and, and get a positive result. I mean, if even if uh, even a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world, I know no draw wouldn't be that bad. Um, generally speaking, I think we still defend pretty well. Maybe as I say, lately not been quite as good. I, th I think we're, I think Golson's been playing well. If you take aside the um, the, the, the the second command ago the other night there, I think Golson's been one of our best players certainly in 2020. Um, Katic has, has been that great again today. Was kind of panicking a wee bit at times, certainly towards the end of the game, slicing stuff and giving the ball away. Edmondson has looked decent, but probably still a bit too raw. And I think pro probably we're, we're missing Holanda more than anything else. But clearly, he won't make um, any of the, these two games. So, um, I it's 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 
it's not an easy game to predict. I think if we could get a 1-0 win, that would be fantastic and certainly give us a great chance going over there. And it might even suit us better playing over there than than, than here. And with a bit of luck, at least there might be a decent temperature in Portugal and you know, 60 mil an hour winds and, <laughs> and uh, 10 inches of rain or whatever we've had in the last uh, fortnight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually quite hopeful that this game, you know, because it's, as you say, exceeded expectations. Uh, I always view the European games as a bit of a free hit, you know what I mean? And I think the, it'll be a good break, you know, a competitive game, but away from the pressures that have sort of came for the, the, the title race recently. So I'm kind of hoping that it could, you know, sort of give that reboot to some of the players and that they find a bit of form again and a bit of belief and then carry that on into the the domestic stuff. Uh, one final point before we go, Stuart, uh, the dreaded VAR will make its debut uh, on Thursday night. First time it's been used in Scotland. Now, I think most people know that I am not a big fan of VAR. I don't think it brings anything at all. I mean, I've read stats that, you know, referees were getting 96%. This is down in England where they've introduced it. They were getting 96% of decisions correct anyway. And I just think VAR has done nothing down there but muddy the waters and just make things worse. Uh, I, I appreciate it's getting used a wee bit better in the continent. However, I'm, I, I must say I'm still not a huge fan of it. Uh, what's your thoughts? Are you, are you looking forward to seeing it? I, I'm, one thing that really annoys me about it is, is the fans in the ground are the ones that are least considered in this. You know, it seems to me that VAR is almost exclusively for supporters that are watching at home. So... I'm a no, but how how do you feel about VAR? I'm probably going to sit on the fence, I'm afraid. I think that there's obviously, it's it's good and it's bad. Um, I think some of the stuff around them, the offside stuff is just nonsensical at times for them to decide that a player's half an inch or half a centimetre, whatever it is offside, is just like beyond a joke. There needs to be a sort of margin error. Um, involved in it. Like you say, continentally it seems to be a bit better in, in, in how they use it in some of the other European leagues and I'm kind of hoping that's going to be the case on Thursday. Um, I, I don't think it'll come in, in Scotland, I just don't think there's the infrastructure there. I mean, we're going to be lucky on Thursday, we've got two big screens where the, the, the decisions can be showed um, if there is far as needed and um, the way things have been going for us lately, it probably won't be in our favour, I wouldn't have thought. Um, but um, these things, I mean, I, I don't know, do they still have the, the, um, the, the, the officials behind the goals? Has that been stopped? Because I've never ever seen the point of that. They've never ever seemed to do anything. I don't think they're there. If they are there, I've, I've certainly they've not done anything uh, that I've noticed. Them. And they, they offered nothing anyway. You know, they, exactly. never, they never made a decision in their life. And... Oh, that's it. So that was, they were a waste of time. Um, I don't know, if, I, I think VAR's probably here to stay in the bigger leagues. Um, I, I'm not convinced it'll ever happen in Scotland. Uh, they're always behind the, uh, the curve on most things like that. And, and in some ways, I'm quite happy about that because I think it's something that'll probably have to be, you know, improved and worked on and massaged over the next maybe season or two before it gets to a stage where it's a bit more workable um, and, and a bit more reliable and a bit less controversial. And I think if you can get it to a stage like that, then you can think and have a serious discussion about bringing it in. Because, I mean, we've just spent 15, 20 minutes moaning about the referees, so something has to change. Um, like you, I'm not convinced VAR's the answer, but certainly not in its current um, guise. But I think going forward, it has to be video, um, has to be something, video refereeing has to be something that we, we really need to look at closely because the quality of the referees in Scotland, are, I mean, it's just appalling, um, and uh, something something has to change in that sense. So I'm, I'm going to be watching with interest on, on Thursday, that's for sure. It'll be really interesting to see how it works, um, not just in terms of if you're watching on TV, but at, at the ground as we'll be. Well, my, I mean, my biggest fear is that after all the sort of controversy from the cup final, when every Rangers fan under the sun was demanding VAR, I've got this feeling that we're going to go out and away goals, and in the last second of the, the, the second leg, we scored a, a goal that's like, you know, someone's armpits offside and the, the linesman never seen it and the ref never seen it, but VAR picks up on it and then we go out because it, I, I just feel that, that that would feel like a typically Rangers thing to do, you know what I mean? So I, I, I've just got this horrible feeling that it's going to it's going to bite us in the bum, but 
time will tell. Uh, but I think I think that's us, Stuart. I think we've covered most things for tonight. Uh, before I go, if you if you are listening live, get yourselves onto Twitter. Get yourselves onto Michael Stewart's Twitter. He's just posted a, an image of himself, a video of himself working out in the gym, punching a punch bag, and it is comedy gold. That's what he's doing with Sunday nights now that he's known sports scene. So get yourself onto that and get retweeting it. Uh, and and that's it. That's us for tonight on the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is free. A big thanks to Stuart for his comments tonight. Top class as always. Big week coming up for Rangers. Obviously, we've got the, the, the European game on Thursday night against Braga. Uh, away to St. Johnson next Sunday. So there'll be a show out next Sunday uh, covering those two games. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself on to Jersnet website and the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Easy for me to say. Uh, lots of stuff on there, as I said, match, match previews, opinion pieces, and the forums as well. Lots of bears talking about Rangers, so it's all good stuff. Uh, so until next Sunday, bye for now. <laughs>